0: The tectonic plates of the college football landscape are once again shifting, as you and I both knew that they would, but Colorado is headed to the Big 12. Coach Prime, the Big 12 about to get rolling here, man. Welcome into the hard count. We've got a lot of y'all joining us that are new to the program. Welcome. We talk college football exclusively 365 days a year. All right, we're live twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. You got a lot on your plate. Kick them up. We're just talking about ball. Like I said, got a lot to unpack. Colorado, as of a few hours ago, unanimously voted into the Big 12. Now, the ink is not dry yet. It's not officially a done deal, but it's about as close as it gets to a done deal. that The Buffs are into to the Big 12. And before we get to Colorado headed to the Big 12 in 2024, we still got a 2023 season to talk about, y'all. What are some of the sneaky games that are on the slate? There's no shortage of big-time matchups. We got Texas Bama, we got Florida State LSU in week one. We got a lot of big time games. But what are some of those games that if you're not careful, you'll be scrolling through the channels on a Saturday afternoon and you'll see, oh, wait, we got we got Clemson Duke and it's close in the third quarter. What are the sneaky games we've got to keep an eye on? We'll break down a bunch of them. We want it to go throughout the duration of the season. We just got through the first month and had four games for you. So we'll break those down and tell you which ones we need to keep an eye on so we're not surprised on that Saturday afternoon. You can be ahead of the game a little bit and let your friends know, hey, keep an eye on this game. Going to be a sneaky one. Also, Auburn, is capturing some momentum. They flipped a five-star last night linebacker out of the state of Alabama, was committed to Georgia, Demarcus Riddick, a five-star prospect. Like I just mentioned, they got a big recruiting weekend this coming weekend in Auburn, Alabama. What's that look like and what is going on at Auburn right now? They got some juice on the trail. We'll break that down a little bit. Speaking of five stars, we have a bunch of five stars that are still uncommitted. Charles Lester is going to make his decision tomorrow. KJ Bolden is set to make his commitment August 5th right here on the On3 YouTube channel. Another reason to be subscribed. So what do we make right now of these uncommitted five stars? And I want to take a look at this more so as it pertains to the impact they could have at some of these schools, some of the schools that are being connected to them right now, and a little bit less of a intel piece, but more so a, hey, what is the impact if they do go to some schools? What if K.J. Bolden does go to Georgia or does go to Florida State? What if Charles Lester does go to Florida State or Colorado? Kind of breaking that down as it pertains to Saturdays, if you will. Now, Pulse the Program series. Y'all know it. Y'all love it. Y'all have been absolutely dominating on the YouTube front when it comes to viewing this kind of content so the pulse the program series rolls right along we're going to austin texas today we're going to take a look at what's going on with the longhorns because a lot of people now expecting big things from texas and you say jody they've always had expectations in austin that's true but this year we all understand a little bit of a different tempo going into year three under sark Quinn. you were second year in the saddle so times are changing in austin and this is a year where they're expecting them to really do some damage as it pertains to the big 12 their last year in the big 12 before they head to the sec and nationally even i think is the buzz around texas wherever you get your podcast you can find the hard count apple spotify doesn't matter type in the hard count with Judy piquel it will be there we appreciate y'all being tuned in if you're new welcome we can't waste too much more time because news is going to break i imagine based on how things have gone the last 24 hours we'll start right here colorado is headed to the Big 12, and this is just about as official as it gets. They were unanimously voted in last night, and good for the Big 12, good for Colorado. A lot is going to be made of, of the Big 12 landing you know, a top-20 media market with Denver and, and expanding their Reach Out West and Coach Prime being a brand of his own and, and what Colorado is right now and how intriguing they are, but as as nice of an ad as this is for Big 12 and all the Big 12 fan base, like, this is a great thing for them. For Colorado, though, this was a matter of survival. And I cannot commend the administration at Colorado enough because they saw the boat that is the Pac-12 starting to take on water. And when USC and UCLA jump ship is when you kind of saw a couple of holes in the ship that was the Pac-12. But credit Colorado. They didn't wait around and say, hmm, I wonder if this thing's going to sink. Having trouble getting the TV deal done is the Pac-12. We're sound like it's going to be after this coming season when they'll finally hopefully get something done and Colorado's like you know what we're not going to stick around and see what Oregon does stick around and see what Washington does we've got an option here with the Big 12 we're going to jump we're going to take it we've got some leverage right now We're, we're a brand like I said that's gathering a lot of intrigue currently we're jumping back to the Big 12 conference baby let's make it happen and for for where Colorado is right now this whole deal of the conference expansion thing and the conference realignment thing it's about relevancy like the sec and the big 10 locked and loaded they're going to be relevant the big 12 right now trying to keep pace did a nice job adding colorado but think about the teams that are still in the pac-12 right now what happens to washington state what happens to oregon state i think they're at the mercy of what oregon and washington do and colorado again to their credit decided, no, we're not going to be at Oregon's mercy. We're not going to be at Washington's mercy. We're going to decide for ourselves where we want to be. Let's make it happen, baby. Let's, Let's go continue to play at a top conference in college football. It's not the SEC. It's not the Big Ten, but it's the Big 12, and they're going to continue to expanding. So we'll talk more about who they're going to add here in the near future. But let's talk about this just from a football standpoint. Like conference expansion is cool, and it just I think even further proves the point that we need college football back on our TV screens here sooner rather than later. But let's just talk about it from a Saturday perspective. I think for Colorado, the first thing you think about is, okay, from a recruiting standpoint now, your reach becomes a little bit more expanded, for lack of a better term. Because Colorado now, you can go into those homes in Texas and be able to confidently tell these kids, hey, you're going to be able to come play at a Power Five conference, or power, whatever it ends up being, power three, power four, however many power conferences we have, you're probably going to be in the upper tier of relevance there. And also, you're going to have a lot of games in your home state of Texas. We're going to play TCU. We're going to play Baylor. We're going to play Texas Tech. So you can still get away from home and have the college experience you want to have and kind of get out of your comfort zone. But rest assured, we're coming right back to the Lone Star State. We're going to play a lot of games in front of your friends and family you can kind of make the same pitch too in the state of Florida. I mean, UCF is in the conference. Coach Prime, he's from Florida as long as he's at Colorado. Have a hard time believing they're not going to have a little bit of something to say in the Sunshine State. And here's the bigger thing too when it comes to their their reach and, and their you know recruiting status. You're going to be able to tell these kids confidently. When you play a football game, there is a 0% chance that our broadcast with ESPN and Fox – gets cut short because you got a Golden Girls rerun right up against it. You can't say the same for the Pac-12 right now. If you're in the Pac-12, you might have to tell these kids, hey, go down the street, find the nearest gas station, fill up some gas, and on that TV screen on the pump, you may be able to catch a Pac-12 football game. Like, come on now. I know that's a little bit tongue in cheek saying that, but we all understand being able to have your family and friends watch you on a national television broadcast, that means something. It means something to these kids. They grew up watching games on Fox, grew up watching games on ESPN. And Colorado now being with the Big 12, that's going to, I think, help their case with a visibility standpoint and being able to tell these families and these friends, yeah, go and watch me turn on ESPN, turn on Fox. You don't have to worry about getting the CW or whoever ends up grabbing the Pac-12. So with that being said, as it pertains to the Big 12, they're not done adding teams. We all understand that. I mean, Colorado got a, a great setup in the sense that they got to leave the Pac-12, no exit fee, still get to cash in a good $31 million, I believe, from the Big 12 when they arrive, but the Big 12 is at 13 teams. It's an odd number. Common sense would tell you they want to have 14, if not 16, and the schools that keep getting brought up as a target for the Big 12 are those corner schools, the Arizona States, the Arizona, Utah. You would imagine those are probably at the top of the wish list for the Big 12 conference to continue to add to their West Coast reach. Long term, if they were to add one more school before 2024 and sit at 14, Pete Thamel's article, who actually broke this news, by the way, at ESPN, Pete Thamel's article mentioned it could be beneficial for Colorado, or not for Colorado, I guess Colorado in general, it could be beneficial for the Big 12 to sit tight and see what happens in the ACC. Because the Big 12 now, they have been on offense. I mean, Brett Yormark comes from the entertainment business. He's like, I am adding brands. I'm going to have a product in the Big 12 that will be competitive. The ACC now, a little bit of, I don't know if movement's the right word, but there's some unrest there with what Florida State essentially said this past spring. Saying, listen, we bring in a lot of money to this conference. We don't get nearly as big a piece of the pie as we should, as we expect to. I feel like that's a warning shot has to be a warning shot if you're the ACC so I think if you're the Big 12 and you have a chance to land a Florida State and potentially a Clemson if the ACC were start to come apart at the seams like okay at that point then you start to look at the Big 12 in a different light if you add those two powers so for the Big 12 I think adding one of those corner schools before 2024 is ideal and then you sit tight and see what happens with the ACC now for the for the Pac-12 uh, this is not the last team they're going to lose, in my humble opinion. I mean, Oregon, if you look behind yourself and your Oregon, you see, okay, we're carrying a lot of the weight in this conference from a TV standpoint, from a revenue standpoint. Do we really want to tie ourselves to a conference that's going to have Washington State and Oregon State? There's no more USC and UCLA. There's no more Colorado market. Like, are we sure we want to stick around here and continue to pay rent for everybody else in this conference? Or if you have a chance to collect millions of more dollars and go to the Big Ten or go to shoot maybe the Big 12 who knows where they head but I think Oregon and Washington have to be the next dominoes that you look at falling within the Pac-12 conference and they're they're very much unstable right now one of the big reasons Colorado left because of their stability so for the Pac-12 you hear teams like San Diego State get brought up you hear teams like SMU get brought up you hear teams like UNLV and Colorado State like to me the Pac-12 I think is very much so in danger of drifting into the background of relevancy and looking a lot more like a Mountain West conference than a Power 5 conference that they have been historically. So you don't love it if you're a Pac-12 fan, but that's just the reality. It is a game of musical chairs. And the music started when Oklahoma and Texas said, we're going to the SEC. They got their chairs in a Power 5 conference or in a power whatever conference you want to call it. And then USC and UCLA. Music's still playing. They get their chair in the Big Ten Conference. Good for Colorado saying, we're sitting down before the music stops. We're going to find a chair in the Big 12 Conference. And right now, the Pac-12 and a lot of teams in the Pac-12 are sort of circling all the chairs. And I'll tell you what, man, I don't think there's going to be nearly enough chairs for everybody in that conference and for the Pac-12 as a whole to be able to stay in this game how they have stayed in the game in the past. So for Oregon and Washington, those are the next two I would watch for the Pac-12. I don't think these tectonic plates are done shifting. In fact, I guarantee they're not done shifting. We'll see if it happens before the season. But before 2024, I can almost guarantee that there will be another team joining the Big 12 Conference. And if the Big 12 has their way, it'll be one of those corner schools. So we'll see what happens there. But again, Colorado is headed to the Big 12 Conference. Coach Prime and company going to join a conference that is on the cutting edge of expansion. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch those games in the Big 12, man. Good for them. Good for them deciding their own fate. Uh, Also, for everyone tuned in live, for everyone tuned in on podcast, it is July 27th, 2023. It's a Thursday. We're going to make it the best one in history because it's the only one in history. But I, I got so excited to get to the Colorado segment that I just totally blew past the date of what today is. So if you're watching later, thank you. If you're tuned in live, thank you as well. Let's go ahead and like the video. Get us over 100 likes before we get off air. Just kind of something that we have gotten to the rhythm of doing. Thanks to y'all. So we appreciate you in advance for getting that done. And a big shout out to y'all that are reaching out to me and let me know how and where you listen. We've got a phenomenal audience. One of my favorite things is to hear where you are when you're listening. And I'm not talking about just like the hometown. I'm talking about like, what are you doing? You babysitting, throwing the AirPods in? Are you at work? Uh, Shout out to my guy, Dakota. Hit me up on Twitter today and said, JD, love the podcast. Listen at work. Dakota, program guy through and through. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad to be with you during your workday. My man Tyler says, J.D., I listen during my internship. Gets me through the day. Tyler, love you, man. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of this, and I appreciate you letting us know how and where you're listening. So go ahead and reach out to me. Let me know where you're listening at, and uh, we'll make sure we shout you out on the show. Big program operation. Uh, all right, we're going to move on here. Let's talk about some of the sneaky games in college football. And when I say sneaky games, I'm not talking about games that could you know, be featured for College Game Day or be Big Noon Kick. I'm talking about those games that you're flipping the channels on a Saturday afternoon and you're like, oh wait, that game's actually close in the third quarter. Oh, wait a second. How how close is that game? Three points? We got Duke and Clemson going back and forth in the fourth quarter. Like that's the kind of game I want to make sure we're out in front of because there's so many big time matchups. Sometimes these games will fall by the wayside and so without further ado, I'm going to just talk about some of the big time games within the first month of the season. We could go throughout the whole length of the season and we'd probably take up a whole show if we were to do that. But even so, I think this, this, these first four weeks in themselves have four elite games that I think are going to make for phenomenal television and will remind us how much we missed college football. And the first week of the season, like I mentioned a couple times here on this live show so far, we got Clemson at Duke. Now, this may be a little bit less sneaky because it's going to be the only game that day. It's on a Monday. It's week one of the college football season. But if you look at this one, it's, again, at Duke is Clemson. But Clemson is favored by 11 and a half. And the reason why I think this game is so sneaky is because we all have talked so much about Dabo Sweeney and Cade Klubnick and how they're going to revamp the offense. And I think that's true. But all of us think we really know something about this game. We really think that we have this game figured out and i'm here to just say transparently we don't know who kade klubnik is and i'm not insinuating that he's going to have a poor performance or that he's not going to be that guy or not be a version of what we saw against north carolina but i just think we need to make sure we pump the brakes a little bit and understand we have not seen this kid in a 12 game slate we haven't and the two data points we have on him we have one really good data point against north carolina where he absolutely took the game over, provided a huge spark to that offense, was clearly the better quarterback for Clemson in that game and the guy to lead them forward. But we also saw him against Tennessee, and he kind of looked a little bit lackluster. And it was a huge spot for him, didn't have a ton of help, still threw for, for a lot of yards. I mean, had a couple of interceptions, but even so, like we know a lot of things about Cade Klubnick. We know he was a five-star out of high school. We know he won a state championship. Like, we get all that. But I want to call our attention back to our first impression of DJ Ungulale. Y'all, I was fully bought in to DJU as a starting quarterback at Clemson. 100% bought in. You want to know why? Because he showed me that he has it under the hood when he went into South Bend, Indiana and absolutely balled against Notre Dame. Now, they lost the game, but DJU put up video game kind of numbers. And we all watched that game. We saw DJU. We took a step back and said, yeah, you know what? Clemson's probably going to be okay at quarterback. He was a five-star guy at a high school, played at a powerhouse in St. John Bosco in California. Like everything pointed toward DJU being the next great one at Clemson. And again, I'm a big DJU guy. I think he's going to be phenomenal at Oregon State. I think there were other things at Clemson that kept him from being as successful as he could have been at Clemson. But even so, that was the game that we were all bought into him small sample size, same deal with Kate Clubnick, small sample size, but we saw enough of a flash to say, okay, okay, we, we know Kate Clubnick, we know Clemson, and y'all, to be real, this is a game that could be very, very interesting, very, very sneaky, which is why we're doing this segment, because Duke, as much of a basketball school as people want to talk about them being, they play really good football. Duke was a really good football team last year, this is the first game, so there's already some sneakiness baked in there. It takes a while for, you know, a new quarterback and offensive coordinator to mash at Clemson. But they have over half the production does Duke's defense from a season ago returning that allowed twenty-two points a game. So they should be good defensively. Also, they have the best quarterback in the country, according to NFL Draft Scouts, not named Caleb Williams and Drake May. Like, Riley Leonard lit it up at the Manning Passing Academy. We had a lot of people there from the On3 network that said the dude was just dealing tons of physical tools. It's also at home for Duke. It's at home. It's on a Monday. And, y'all, we all understand this. Weird things happen in college football games that aren't played on Saturdays. There's no way to explain it. There's no science behind it. It's just a fact of life. Weird things happen when you don't play on a Saturday. teams that get upset on a Friday night or on a Thursday like how often do we see that happen I'm not saying this is going to be an upset I'm not saying Clemson's trying to win the game I'm not saying we're not going to take Clemson to win the game but when you look at this one I think there is much more to it than what we're all just assuming is going to happen with Clemson and Duke so keep an eye on that one weird game sneaky game do not be surprised if you get to the third quarter and it's Duke up by four points three points and you're saying well okay Clemson's got to put it together here they got to put their 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 foot on the pedal and find a way to score some points here because they they started out sluggish that that Duke defense has their number do not be surprised if that ends up happening in this game would not surprise me in the slightest but Clemson obviously has the better roster so we'll see what happens there appreciate everybody tuned in live now make sure you like the video if everyone could hit the thumbs up under the video right now we will be well over 100 likes so it's just my request to you we appreciate you that. And I have all the confidence in the world that y'all make that happen. So just our, our consistent call to action to all y'all that are tuned in live. So thank you in advance for making that happen. Now, we move to week two. And we have Oregon at Texas Tech as the next sneaky game on the schedule here. And this is going to potentially even be a ranked matchup. But the reason why it's sneaky, the same day as Oregon at Texas Tech, you got Texas at Bama. And that'll have college football playoff implications, and you got Quinn Ewers going on the road, and they almost you know, took him down a season to go in Austin. So like, there's a lot of buzz around that game. That's going to get all the spotlight. But this game right here, I'm telling you, this is going to be some good football being played. First of all, Oregon going to Lubbock, tough place to play. Pretty straightforward there. New offensive coordinator for Oregon. A lot of praise was given to Bo Nix last year. We're going to find out how much of that was attached to what kenny dillingham did for him offensively willie stein now calling the offense and it, when, it, when it's early in the season again it just it might take a second to get this whole thing to mesh i'm not even saying it's going to be a similar scheme to what you saw last year for oregon but i just think when you have a new oc you cannot just automatically have blind faith that it's going to be the exact same result so if oregon kind of sputters out of the gate and it takes them some time to get rolling that would not surprise me also Texas Tech offensively, I don't know if they get enough credit because they're in Lubbock, Texas, but Zach Kitley is going to be a head coach here very, very soon. I wholeheartedly believe that. Dude just draws up touchdowns. He's a Hogwarts grad. They have 75% of the offense coming back from last year that scored over 30 points a game and they spread them out. They throw the ball around. Yes, that's true, but they're also balanced. I mean, Taj Brooks is 5'10", 230. He's a bowling ball of butcher knives coming at you downhill. Averaged five yards of carry last year. Tyler Shuck, the quarterback for Texas Tech. We told you they're going to spread them out. They're going to throw it around. It's personal for him. He transferred from Oregon at one point in time. You don't think he would love to take Oregon's playoff hopes down just a notch have a hard time believing he won it. And when we look at Oregon's secondary, they've done some things to try and improve that secondary. But last year, they really struggled against this kind of offense now. I mean, I I go back to that game against Washington where Michael Penix Jr. just did pretty much whatever he wanted against the Oregon secondary. Was not pretty was not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. It'll be the same kind of offensive attack from Zach Kitley and company. Oregon allowed 270 pass yards a game last year. Needless to say, that cannot happen if they want to get out of Lubbock with a dub. Now, if Oregon were to drop this game, the ramifications on their college football playoff hopes would be enormous. Because you drop game two to Texas Tech... You're staring down the barrel of still having to go to Washington. you got to go to Utah. Then you play USC and Oregon State still on the schedule. you got to go 4-0 against that stretch. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying that is not the situation you want to find yourselves in in week two of the college football season. So this game, with what Joy McGuire has rolling there at Texas Tech, the culture he has in place, the belief he has in place there for the Red Raiders, I'm just saying keep an eye on this game. I would not be surprised at all if Texas Tech were to handle business and win that game. Not a prediction, but I am saying this is a sneaky good college football game. I would make sure we're tuned into that one because you know that yours truly will be. And a lot of y'all that watch the show, you're just great college football fans in general, so I'm sure you will be. But we just had to address what's going on under the hood there in Lubbock in that game. Now, we're going to stay in week two, and this this is probably first team all sneaky. When you're looking at the first month of the college football season. You got Notre Dame going to NC State. And wouldn't you know it, it's just a nice little noon kick for the good people at NC State. And Notre Dame are going to have 1000% the better roster. You got Sam Hartman playing quarterback. You bring back a lot on defense, bring back a lot on that offensive line in the running back room. Like they should have. A favor in this, excuse me. They should be favored in this game. It would do them a favor to be favored in this game, if you will. But for Notre Dame, this is going to be their first real test. Prior to this game, they go overseas and play Navy in Dublin, Ireland. I wonder and hope that Conor McGregor and Bono will both be in attendance. Nothing confirmed, but that's my hope. Uh, Then you go and play Tennessee State, and then you play NC State. So no knock on Navy, no knock on Tennessee State, but NC State will bring a very different vibe to the table here. This will be a very different kind of atmosphere as well for Notre Dame. And we all understand here that sleepy noon kick. You kind of wander in there. Notre Dame probably 2-0. But here's the real thing that I'm watching in this game. Brennan Armstrong transferring from Virginia and is now reunited with his former offensive coordinator, Robert and I. And you say, why is this important? Well, Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I, when they were at Virginia, they produced more fireworks than a bad eighth grader behind the middle school on 4th of July. Like they were popping off over 40 total touchdowns for Brennan Armstrong in that season. If you remember correctly now, rewind the tape, Brennan Armstrong was on a lot of people's sleeper Heisman list heading into 2022. Like, that was the kind of buzz around him. And then you lose your OC, and Brendan Armstrong is just a totally different version of what we've seen from him. But if Robert and I and Brendan Armstrong can recreate that magic and do score a lot of points, well, guess what? That puts pressure on Notre Dame to answer scores, and that puts a lot of pressure specifically on that wide receiver room of Notre Dame that is really very much so unproven. And this is a game where if you see NC State in the realm of scoring like 35 points, 38 points... That's a game that you're flipping through the ticker and you see, whoa, 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 NC State's up how much on Notre Dame? They're up by 10 going into the fourth quarter. That's going to put some pressure now on that Notre Dame offense to be more explosive. That's why you brought Sam Hartman to South Bend, but it's not something they've consistently done at Notre Dame. And that receiver room would have to be able to create explosive plays, and I don't know how that looks for Notre Dame. I truly don't. So there's a path there for NC State to make that thing very interesting. You would imagine they're a home dog, sleepy kick, It'll be a very very good football game circle that one make sure you got that one dvr if you're not watching live now week four is where i want to finish right here and this has the recipe for maybe the most intrigue of any of these games because you got utsa going to tennessee a lot of people too right now have utsa as a ranked football team in the preseason just so we're all on the same page here you probably already knew that but just making sure other people that are new to the program or don't follow utsa as closely Make sure we're on the same page there. Now, I want to make this extremely clear. Tennessee has the better roster. Tennessee should win this game. Tennessee will be favored in this game. Maybe by double digits. We'll see what happens. But for Tennessee, they play the week before at Florida. That'll be an enormous game. Heck, could be a college game day kind of atmosphere. You'll be in the swamp. And if Tennessee wins that football game, like Joe Milton has implied they will win that football game. He said straight up, I don't lose in Florida. I love that he said that personally. That would be their first time winning in the Swamp in 20 years, since 2003. So what does that mean for this UTSA game? If they come off that game having beat Florida, that is an enormous letdown spot enormous letdown spot and for UTSA they got a quarterback named Frank Harris who is the best player in the country that nobody's talking about that nobody's probably even heard of put up over 4,000 yards passing last year over 40 total touchdowns dude can absolutely deal the pill like a shady pharmacist as you know we like to say on this show dude can play some football now what do we know about Tennessee defensively secondary now They've they've had some struggles okay they've had some issues on the back end we saw that multiple times last year so imagine a world where Tennessee offensively kind of has that Florida hangover they got a big win the weekend before and they're kind of taking a second to get rolling and then UTSA once you know it they're out to a 14-3 lead in the first quarter at that point Frank Harris is feeling himself he's got some mojo now like he's kind of in the zone now and for for Tennessee if, if that secondary doesn't step it up and find a way to put a cap on the back end of that defense and Joe Milton and company are sluggish to get this thing rolling, it's going to get very, very interesting. Another one where you're flipping through the channels and you're like, oh, shoot, this is a really good football game. It's a one-score game going in the fourth quarter. we got to make sure we're locked in here. Now, if Tennessee comes out and plays the way they're capable of playing, we won't even be talking about it. It'll be a JV special by the fourth quarter, and Tennessee will have their backups in. But there is a path there there's a very real way where tennessee could be on the ropes if utsa comes out swinging and tennessee has a little bit of a florida hangover if they were to win that game before so this will be a lot of fun i'm excited to watch that one this will be some of the best games in the country in the first month of the college football season and again we're just talking about weeks one through four we didn't even talk about october and november so maybe we'll talk about that more in future live shows depending on how y'all respond to this but a lot of sneaky games on the schedule making sure we're all on the same page and we all get to experience those be ahead of the game a little bit together man talking about college football games being played how cool is that how cool is that that we actually are I mean I think it's within a month now I guess yeah almost almost within a month from college football games being played week zero cannot get here quickly enough appreciate everybody tuned in live make sure you like the video make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're on podcast listening we love you because you found time to lock into this show when you weren't able to tune in live. So thank you for that. If you like podcasts, Hard Count on Apple, on Spotify, Hard Count with J.D. Pakel, go and check us out there. So thank you in advance for that. Now, before we jump into this next topic, I want to make a quick PSA. We have had a lot of y'all get at me on Twitter, Instagram me, or excuse me, Instagram DM me, Twitter DM me and asking, J.D., where do I get a program shirt? I like that shirt. I love the show. I want to contribute to the hard count and be a part of the program. I feel like I need a uniform to do that. How do do I get one of those shirts? So they're not for sale. They're not for sale and they're not going to be for sale to the further extent of my knowledge. However, this YouTube channel is cooking right now and we are, I believe, just north of 95,000 subscribers. That is a testament to y'all and y'all's college football fandom for locking in with us. So thank you. However, when we reach 100,000 subscribers when that day comes i'm going to give away one of these had one of y'all ask for a gator orange kind of program shirt we can we can work something out on the color of the program shirt but when we get to 100k we will give out one program shirt and when we get to 100k we're going to have a plan in place for how we can give away more program shirts so to answer the instagram and twitter dms there's no way to to buy these or purchase these but we're going to figure something out to where these can be one so Again, ball is in your court now to get us to 100K subs. I have complete confidence we're going to get that done. So again, thank you in advance for subscribing to the channel and getting us to 100K. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Let's keep on rolling here now. Recruiting does not take a break. I don't care what dead periods say. I don't care what the NCAA calendar says. Recruiting is a year-round affair, just like college football is. Funny how that whole thing works. There's a lot of dudes, a lot of five-star dudes that are currently uncommitted. But we're going to get closer to a decision here as we get closer and closer to the college football and high school football season started. A lot of these kids want to get it over with, but I want to zoom out even a little bit further from you know where they might go and what their decision could be and just take a look at the potential impact on their schools they could go to, if that makes sense. So For Oklahoma, they currently have an RPM trend for two big time defensive linemen. One of them is the number one overall player in the country for us here at On3, Williams-Wanary, and the other is David Stone, who's actually from Oklahoma but currently at IMG Academy. Let's start with williams Winary, though. Georgia is making a strong push for him right now. The Oklahoma buzz has been real throughout the duration of his recruitment, but George is really trying to make a push for him right now. But let's just go ahead and say that Oklahoma does land Williams-Wanary. What are they getting in him? Well, first, they're getting a 6'6", 265 physical specimen. Charles Power loves his length, loves the way he moves. He says he is the most physically gifted defensive lineman in this 2024 cycle. So if Georgia lands him, the rich get richer. No secret of what they have on the defensive line there and what they've done in terms of getting guys to the NFL, most specifically the Philadelphia Eagles. But if they were to land williams winnery Oklahoma that is, that would be enormous, and even more enormous if they can land him with another enormous human being like David Stone. Again, this is not over. There's a lot of teams in the mix for for David Stone. He's going to take some more visits, but he is twitchy and he is big, just a disruptive presence on the presence, a disruptive presence, and he's a disruptive present for whoever lands him at six foot four, two hundred and eighty pounds he would be huge for Oklahoma to land should they get him. Again, RPM currently is trending for both these guys right now. Keep an eye on where the picks go. That could very well change. But I think it's interesting to look at what this would mean, what this could mean for Oklahoma. Because for them, it would mean two things. One, they have more insured depth on the defensive line, which remember Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. Depth on the defensive line in the SEC is the equivalent of cell phones for millennials. Like you just need it to survive in that conference, right? And for Brent Venables, his calling card throughout the duration of his career at Clemson, those defenses that won national titles had a lot of big time ballers in the defensive line. A lot of guys that went and played in the NFL for, well, they're still playing in the NFL if you catch my drift there. So that's what Oklahoma's defense was missing last year did a lot through the portal to try and retool that but if you were to land both these cats that would be a perfect scenario for Oklahoma and I would be hard-pressed to imagine that both these guys probably contribute in some form or fashion sooner rather than later no pun intended because Oklahoma had some problems on the defensive line trying to figure out trying to get it headed in the right direction but you had two talents like that for the Sooners that would be huge So, again, we're not dropping intel. We're not telling you they're going anywhere specific. But if that RPM were to hold all the way true and all the way through signing day and you land both these players, enormous, enormous get both from an impact standpoint for Oklahoma and from a literal impact for Oklahoma. Some big human beings right there. Now, moving right along, Micah Hudson, five-star wide receiver out of the state of Texas. All the buzz right now for him is around Texas Tech. And the dude, I mean, we look at the scouting report from Charles Power, just a playmaker extremely productive in high school over a thousand yards receiving in his junior season extremely shifty route runner can just shake and bake at the top of the route and lose defenders like nobody's business put up a missing sign for those dudes and also he's really good after the catch which is where I really want to hone in on anytime you can just throw a dude a shallow crossing route and he can giddy up and go and get north and south and turn a 10-yard pass into a 45-yard touchdown that's special Not a lot of dudes just walking around with the playmaking ability of a Micah Hudson, who, again, is one of the top players in the country and a five-star plus kind of player. I mean, dude is the total package. And what it would mean for Texas Tech, I don't think you can overstate the importance of a commitment from a Micah Hudson should they land him. Would mean a couple of things. One, it would mean that you won a recruiting battle over in-state faux Texas, and Texas typically has a lot of success in the Lone Star State, and so to kind of steal one from them, I mean, it says a lot about the direction of the operation under Joy McGuire, but even more so, it is a narrative changer for Texas Tech because they've recruited well. I believe they are somewhere in the top two of the future Big 12 of how they're recruiting right now, but if you land Micah Hudson, you land a top 10 player in the country and bring him to Lubbock... It goes from, oh, good for Texas Tech. They're a nice story. They got some good things going under Joey McGuire. I hope they work it out. Shifts from that perspective to, whoa, they just landed who? They just landed Micah Hudson? Took him from Texas? Okay, we, we really got to change the way we look at Texas Tech now. We really got to take them seriously. They're going to be a force for everybody on the recruiting trail. We got to take them pretty serious for every single recruitment that we're up against them in. And that'd be the same thought from, teams within the college football landscape to quite frankly us as fans we have to really consider what Texas Tech is going to be going forward so for Micah Hudson if he does go to Texas Tech narrative changer big time get and I have to imagine he plays early if he gets to Texas Tech whether he's returning kicks whether he lines up in the slot like he's a dude that can help you day one He's a rare talent, period, but there's not many dudes like Micah Hudson walking around in Lubbock right now, and you would imagine he plays early should he end up being a Red Raider. So there's that for you. Appreciate everybody tuning in live. Two things I'm going to ask. One, please subscribe to the video, or excuse me, please subscribe to the channel because of this video, I suppose, and please like the video. Thank you. All I'm going to ask, roll party roll. All right. Number one safety in the country, KJ Bolden, is nearing a decision, has a decision date for August 5th, and if you haven't subscribed yet, he's going to announce his decision right here on the On3 YouTube channel, so might as well subscribe so you don't miss that. There's a lot of action going on behind the scenes with him right now. Um, I mean, Auburn got into Big Cat weekend, and okay, that's that's a big gift for Hugh Freeze. Now, Atlanta, the top safety in America, he's been there all of 15 minutes. Okay, Auburn, they got some real steam now on the recruiting trail. Again, he's headed to Big Cat Weekend this coming weekend, so there's that. For Florida State, if you were to land a premier player like K.J. Bolden, for Mike Norvell, I think that would— I don't know if it you know makes up for anything with the Travis Hunter scenario and all that, but it would feel like, wow, look how far we've come from that Travis Hunter signing day deal. And Travis Hunter made the best decision for him. Like I'm not here to talk down on Travis Hunter by any stretch to of the imagination, obviously, but I think it speaks to where Florida State was at that point in time and where they are right now even being discussed in the tra- uh, in the KJ Bolden sweepstakes. So there's that but it really sounds like it's down to Ohio State and Georgia. I don't I don't say it's limited to that but I think those are the two that are getting the most buzz right now around his recruitment. And for Georgia, if you were to add him to the mix, I mean it, it just it really is the rich continuing to get richer. Continue to have elite defensive backs in that locker room. You would imagine he eventually gets on the field at some point in time whether it's early or later like you just have another special talent in that secondary room not a ton to break down just a special player going to a special team gets developed and does what you would expect a special player to do when to put in position when put into position to succeed now for ohio state he would mean a lot to that team because in the defense under jim Knowles, they play multiple safeties on the field and they've struggled in the secondary historically they did a lot through the portal to help themselves this coming season but you add KJ Bolden to the mix I have a hard time seeing a scenario where he doesn't get on the field early and help them in a big way so would mean a lot to anybody he lands George is probably still in my mind the front runner but again if you want to make sure you hear his decision first subscribe right here and you will be in the know when that all goes down now edge defender Dylan Stewart is a top 10 player as well. Another five-star guy, undecided out of Washington, D.C. Two schools getting the most love for him are Ohio State and South Carolina. I say love. The schools that are in the headlines the most for Dylan Stewart are both those schools. Had 16 sacks in 2022, runs a 4640 at 6'5", 250 pounds. Y'all, that's freakish. I don't want to waste too much time talking about his recruitment because I think we have a little bit more to go in it is my humble opinion it could be something that happens before the season it could be something that happens after the season but with these two schools Ohio State is pretty self-explanatory Larry Johnson's that guy when it comes to the defensive line they just landed Justin Scott not that long ago shocked the entire country you pair Dylan Stewart with Justin Scott you're set up for a successful defensive line probably the next two great ones out of Columbus now for South Carolina a little bit more intriguing they landed Nicholas Harbor out of the DC area last year who is Obviously, a special kind of recruit, potentially a generational recruit. And South Carolina has the most visits with Dylan Stewart right now. And so they're making a strong push right now. I'm telling you, as long as Shane Beamer's the head coach there, they're going to be in a lot of these high profile recruitments. They will at least be a factor in a lot of these high profile recruitments. And if Dylan Stewart ends up going to South Carolina, I think he plays early. South Carolina, it's no secret, struggled mightily last year against the run. If they can get a guy who's Dylan Stewart's caliber there and get him into the lineup sooner rather than later like that would be the way you want to live if you're a South Carolina fan and that'd be what you would hope would happen if you were to land Dylan Stewart so his impact at South Carolina cannot be overstated now a kid who's going to make a decision tomorrow Friday that is and I want to make sure we we touch on this before we, we move on Charles Lester third is a corner out of state of Georgia again a five-star player and to my understanding it is down to Colorado and Florida State now, he just popped up at Colorado very, very recently for a surprise visit. I don't know if it's a surprise visit, but it was a bit of a surprising thing that he visited, is what I want to say. Like everyone's trending towards Florida State, the, the buzz is around Florida State, and then wouldn't you know it, he's at Colorado. So maybe surprise is the wrong word to use, but if you're trending so much towards one school, why does Colorado get a visit so close to you deciding your commitment? think it's worth taking a look into so I still believe it's Florida State until it's not but six foot one 171 pounds fluid mover I mean great ball skills there's a lot to like about him there but coach prime and company remember Deion Sanders he's also from the state of Florida we've seen this before with him grabbing Cormani McClain keep an eye on this as it gets down to decision time for him both those schools it sounds like are in it but again I'm, I'm betting Florida State until it's not and if he goes Colorado I would be surprised but you can't put anything past Coach Prime. And if Coach Prime were to land Charles Lester out of Florida, I mean, I think that speaks, again, to his reach and just to how much of a force he can be on the recruiting trail. For Florida State, would just be big to land a five-star in-state and send a further message to everyone else across the country, everyone else in-state even more so, Florida State's going to be a problem for you on the recruiting trail done a lot through the portal, had a lot of playing time they could sell to guys via the portal and had guys they needed to play sooner rather than later, but now they're in a position where that success on the field can be pushed to get some strong results on the recruiting trail and Charles Lester if they were to land him would just be another byproduct of that and really I mean a signal fire to where Florida State stands currently in the recruiting world in the state of Florida. So a lot of top dudes still uncommitted the tectonic plates of the on three industry team recruiting rankings are going to shift quite a bit here as we keep rolling and getting closer to signing day but keep an eye on what these kids do here KJ Bolden again deciding right here on the on three YouTube channel on August 5th make sure you're subscribed again so you do not miss it it's going to be a good time man it's going to be a very very good time and like I said KJ Bolden going to be in Auburn Alabama this coming weekend for Big Cat Weekend their big recruiting weekend at Auburn They've got some juice now on the recruiting trail, do the Tigers. Got a lot of juice. You don't believe me? They just landed a flipped commitment from previous Georgia commitment, five-star linebacker DeMarcus Riddick. Don't look now, y'all. But Auburn and Hugh Freeze have the number 16 class in the on-three industry team recruiting rankings. And this is a nice headline for Auburn fans, right? It, it just feels good to say, hey, we just landed one of the top guys in the class, number three linebacker in the country, took him away from Georgia. Nice headline, right? Reads real pretty. It's a big get for Auburn. I don't want to undersell that to you at all. But I think this is just further proof of what we already knew about Hugh Freeze and what we already knew about Auburn. Auburn, as clear as it gets, a horsepower program. What I mean by horsepower, it means they've always had it under the hood. Like Auburn isn't in a situation where you have to really prop the brand up and prop the logo up and try and convince kids what Auburn can be. In a lot of these recruits' minds, Auburn is a very real power in the college football landscape. Now, was it that the last couple of years? No. But remember now, it wasn't all that long ago when Auburn appeared in two national titles and won one of them. That was in these kids' lifetimes. Very, very recently to be real with you in the grand scheme of history like Auburn isn't a school where you need to try and sell them what they can be they've seen what they can be they saw Cam Newton go number one overall and have a successful NFL career they've seen that they can do it at Auburn Auburn has a lot to sell to these kids I mean you don't believe me look at what they did in the transfer portal Hugh Freeze pulls up and he's been there for like 10 minutes added 20 transfers 20 transfers that I believe for the majority will play will start potentially even for Auburn in 2023 they've revamped and reloaded in a very short period of time you can't do that unless you have some horsepower operationally at Auburn from a brand perspective from a resources perspective and now finally you have the right guy steering that horsepower in the right direction because that was always the frustration for Auburn fans Brian Harson, maybe he's a good football coach maybe so maybe he knows the x's and o's did a lot of good things at Boise State but the frustration was why are we not killing it on the recruiting trail We've got the resources. We've got the brand. We're in the SEC. There's a lot to like about Auburn. Why are we not able to get this thing headed the right direction? And it felt like for the Auburn faithful, there wasn't the effort there. There wasn't the awareness or the effort, again, going back to that word, to get top talent to Auburn. There wasn't the understanding that, hey, we have to recruit top talent to compete with top teams. And Auburn, they expect to compete with top teams because they've done it Frequently, throughout the course of recent history and throughout history in general, and so with them right now, it finally feels like you have everybody pulling the right direction. Because before with Brian Harson and the administration and the boosters, it was like tug of war, right? Brian Harson pulls one way, boosters pull the other way, and what happens when when that's all going on with that tug of war deal? Nobody's really winning. You're just pulling opposite directions, and you're getting poor results. And that's why Brian Harson is no longer the head coach at Auburn, among other reasons. But you feel what I'm saying there. So I want to make sure we make this clear with Auburn. The talent level, even in 2023, is going to be substantially better than it was in 2022. In future Auburn teams, the talent they're recruiting will be substantially better than what they've had on the roster historically under Brian Harson. They're going to have some of the top guys. Currently the number 16 class, like I already mentioned, flipped a five-star last night from Georgia. This is the direction of Auburn under Hugh Freeze. With that being said, transfers is a shaky foundation to be built on. I'm not saying it can't work. We've seen it work many times, but it doesn't guarantee success. My excitement, if I'm an Auburn fan, would be for the future under Hugh Freeze because of his ability to land top talent on the recruiting trail, like we saw last night with Demarcus Riddick flipping from Georgia. And so I want to make this very clear. like, Do not question your long-term decision, if you're Auburn, in hiring Hugh Freeze based on short-term results. And a lot of people are going to say, well, J.D. Sonny Dykes in his first year made the national title. You're not TCU. You're not playing in the Big 12 Conference. No shade to the Big 12, but the Big 12 ain't the SEC. The Big 12 doesn't have Alabama, doesn't have LSU. You don't have to deal with those kind of powers week in and week out you can kind of put this thing together on the run a little bit more easily. It's a more fertile way to grow a program. Whereas in the SEC, it's a storm week in and week out. Say, well, okay, we'll talk about first-year coaches. First-year coaches, Brian Kelly, he walked in first-year at LSU and did some good things. Yeah, because he had a coach there previously that actually recruited. Again, I don't want to make this just a slam dunk fest on Brian Harsin, but like what he walked into roster-wise wasn't all that great. Don't believe me. Take Hugh Freeze's word for it. Take his actions for it in the way that he has just been so aggressively hitting the transfer portal. It's not the same situation. So Hugh Freeze is doing the right things to build Auburn for long-term success. And I promise you, the competitor in him, he wants to win in 2023. That is 1,000% a part of the plan. And if all those transfers that you bring in amount to nine wins and that works in year one, great, phenomenal. If it doesn't, If it's a six-win season, a seven-win season, cool. We got improvement, and we got a lot of talent on the recruiting trail about to show up at Auburn, Alabama. Big Mo is in the building, as Chad Simmons likes to say. Big momentum is in Auburn, Alabama. I expect it to carry through with Big Cat Weekend and some more commitments potentially headed Auburn's way. We'll see what happens there. But it's not about 2023 with Hugh Freeze. Demarcus Riddick committing is another headline that shows that Hugh Freeze is going to bring the right guys to Auburn. And when they get their roster to where they expect it to be, and they recruit these these classes, they start stacking classes, then you can start to really examine what Auburn's going to be under Hugh Freeze in the long term. The SEC is a brutal spot to push a ship out into the harbor, out into the storm, that is the SEC, and playing all those elite teams week in and week out, and trying to make sure the ship floats it could happen I'm not saying it won't I'm not predicting that by any stretch of the imagination but my excitement my real optimism my long-term hope is in the long-term results that I think are coming Auburn's way because of adding top talent and because of how they're going to recruit so Auburn big time get big time get for them at landing Demarcus Riddick and uh I'm telling you now they got everybody pulling the right direction Auburn is going to be dangerous for the rest of the country Hugh Freeze doing something down there in Auburn, Alabama. Excited to watch it. Man, I hope we get out to Jordan-Hare Stadium this coming year. I really do. That would be a phenomenal environment, and I hope that they have a team in place that requires us to get there because I will happily make that drive. Believe you me. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. Appreciate everybody that uh, is from Auburn, Alabama, watching the show right now. And again, thank you to y'all for getting us over 100 likes. I ask it every show never any hesitation never any concern but we ask it nonetheless and every single time y'all deliver the street keeps rolling so thank you for that now we're going to do one more segment here and I want to hear from y'all before we get to there or as as we roll to the end of the show here in a minute Nick break keeper of the queue going to be answering your questions here we're going to pull them up on the screen through the live chat and we'll talk about them it'll be a real good time so thank you in advance for that get them in right now so we can answer those in an orderly fashion all right now before we do that though the Pulse the Program series. Can't stop it. Can only hope to contain it as it keeps on rolling. We're going to Austin, Texas for this one. Always have to say it because we have a ton of y'all that are new and we're so freaking grateful for it. We're glad to have you a part of this operation. The Pulse the Program. First note program is not misspelled. I already know we're going to get somebody in the comment section saying, hey, it's program. Have some professionalism, have some respect. Okay, well, I wish you would watch the video because we spell program with a U around here because that's the way that we talk about these football teams. Also, the pulse of the program is meant to do a couple of things. It's meant to take a pulse internally of the fan base and how we're feeling about our team. Also, take a pulse as best we can tell within that locker room, within that building. What's the internal vibe? More often than not, there's overlap between those two, the fan base and the locker room kind of coincide in my humble opinion with where the the approach is at and and where the sites are set for 2023 I don't think Texas is any different because for Texas they've been through it now these last couple of years it's been tough because on the outside looking in you hear this a lot if you're a Texas fan unrealistic fan base arrogant fan base You just every single year expect your team to be in the college football playoff race. You expect to win the Big 12 every single year. And every single year, y'all just seem to underachieve. That is consistently the chorus of naysayers outside of Austin, Texas. And I want to be clear, too. This is not something that is completely just out of bounds to say because you do have expectations at Texas. 100%. Now the whole arrogant thing, you probably hear that from fan bases and you know, you just have loud voices on Twitter like it is what it is. You feel me? But honestly, like for Texas, the reason why they feel like they always have a chance is because they've consistently recruited well. Since 2018, they have been outside of the top 10 in the On3 industry team recruiting rankings one time. One time. So that tells me you consistently have a top 10 class, which should equate to typically a top 10 roster, if you're doing it right and developing right and have the good culture and all that, like the talent in Austin, Texas is always there. And talent is good reason for optimism, is good reason for expectations. Now, here's the thing, though, that Texas fans have been told internally, rather, has been, you know, sort of the, the, the message around the fan base within Austin, Texas, these last couple of years is be patient. Be patient. It's Sark's first year. It's going to take some time. We miss a bowl game. It sucks. It's not what we expect. It's for sure underachieving, but there's some things going on within this team that need to get fixed. It's going to take some time. Be patient. And so you were patient through year one. In year two, you saw improvement. You saw eight wins. You saw Quinn Ewers look great. You saw him look pretty lackluster. You saw the defense play well. You saw the defense play poorly. Like you saw some inconsistency from this Texas team. But with that being said now, we're going into year three. Now Steve Sarkeesian should have a developed culture. Now Quinn Ewers should have his footing as the guy at Texas. Now you have some of those top 10 classes developed and the guys that chose to stay are bought in. The pulse for Texas, pulse the program at Texas, is let's eat. Let's eat. We, we've been told to wait. We've been told to wait until this meal was ready. And now we're coming for everything that y'all have told us to wait for. We've built to this. We've built to a culture that should be solid. We've built to a year where we have a quarterback that's experienced and we have a head coach that has all his guys on campus now, allegedly. Like, we waited for this, let's eat. And that is the exact same thing that the Texas locker room is saying. We'll talk about that here in a second. But I want to make sure that we get this in here because the hard count is brought to you by our good friends at bird dogs. And I want to say a couple things about bird dogs, look good, feel good, and they don't smell. And like, they're just approved worldwide by all circles of life. All right, perfect example right here. This past weekend, I'm at the pool with some of our friends from our church group. And one of my buddies, he's like, hey, we're gonna hang out after this too. Uh, I don't have a change of shorts. I'm like, dude, I got you. I got a pair for you, no problem. Throw them my bird dogs and we show up to the next thing we're doing we went out to dinner after that and his wife is like cool shorts where'd you get those are those yours he goes no jd gave them to me i'm telling you they're wife approved they're life approved they are athletic feeling they look good like i'm telling you on all fronts bird dog's gonna take care of you so when you check out at birddogs.com use promo code jd we'll get you one of these here i'm gonna make sure i reach over and show y'all nice little yeti style tumbler from bird dogs man i'm telling you this thing is going to take care of you keep your drinks cold keep your coffee hot like life is good you will not want to take your bird dogs off promise you that so thank you to bird dogs for keeping us looking good and feeling good on here all right now as i was saying when you talk about texas the feel internally is the same thing the feel for texas is let's eat because for the last few years it has been a acclamation process. It has been the growing pains. It's been the ugly. It's been the let's get the bad culture out. I mean, I go back to Bo Davis's rant on that bus all the time when you talk about Texas. They lose to Iowa State and it was embarrassing. Texas should not have lost to Iowa State on that day. Even so, Bo Davis walks on that bus and says if you want if you don't want to be about this and he had a few more expletives laced in there, but if you're not about it, Get in the portal because we don't want you here. Winners want to win. Winners want to win. And they've been told for so long that they're building to this and they went through their growing pains with the portal and they had guys transfer out, they had guys transfer in. And now you're in year three and they feel like, okay, now we've paid our dues. We've got the sweat equity in there. We've lost some guys along the way that wanted to transfer out that weren't about it. If you're still here in year three under the Steve Sarkeesian era, or if you were recruited by Steve Sarkeesian, you are one of us. You are about winning you are about the right things you're bought in and so you have that side of things and then also you look across the roster you got to feel pretty good about what you got you got xavier worthy you have a stocked running back room that's unproven but i think you have a lot of depth there cj baxter being one of the guys who's a freshman who i think you should be really excited about you got isaiah nayor who is chomping at the bit to get back in action a transfer from wyoming last year tons of ability People were really excited about him last year in Texas Longhorn circles. And if he's healthy this coming season, he's going to be a problem. A.D. Mitchell transferred in. Quinn Ewers in his second year, who a lot of people think could be a first-round draft pick should he do what he's capable of doing. There's no secret for Texas. They have the opportunity on the table here. The meal is on the table for Texas. For them, they're like, okay, let's eat. Let's eat before we get out of the Big 12 Conference. Let's make this happen. I want to make sure that we say this, though. For Texas fans, there is going to be the narrative if they don't win the Big 12, it's a failure of a season. And some parts of this fan base may feel that way. I think you're allowed to feel that way if you want to. I would argue, though, the majority of the fan base is looking for continued improvement. Because I talked about recruiting trail and what they've done on that, and that hasn't stopped under Steve Sarkeesian. They just landed a top three class in 2023 that includes guys like Arch Manning, that includes guys like Jontae Cook. So the future is bright. The future is bright at Texas. But if you can make the Big 12 title game this year, I think that's the kind of meal you want to eat. If you win it, finger looking good. You go and win the New York Six Bowl, phenomenal. Extra sauce, that's dessert. But the the reality for Texas is this is not a one-course meal. Like, this is not a winner-take-all. This is our one window. We have to do it this year. This is an opportunity to do it this year. This is The table is set. The meal looks good. Eat as much as you can. But if you don't get it done in 2023 depending on how that looks, I don't think it's a failure. Now, it's got to be improvement. Lack of improvement, I think, is failure. But failure to win the Big 12, I don't think you can argue that. Because either way, whether they win the Big 12 or they don't, we're going to be sitting here in, I guess, June of 2024. And we're going to be saying, well, how can Texas stack up in the SEC? Everyone's going to be asking that question. You feel better about it if you win the Big 12. But those questions are going to come either way. So for Texas, The pulse of the fan base and that locker room is, let's eat. The fan base has waited for it, and they are ready to finally just guzzle all of the burnt orange Kool-Aid, or guzzle even more burnt orange Kool-Aid this coming season. And for Texas, they've got everything there, culture-wise, talent-wise, on the staff. Like, they feel like they have all that they need, and it's matured to the point to where they can really eat how they want to eat when it comes to the college football season in 2023. So y'all get at me on Twitter too and let me know what is the next Pulse the program that you want done. We've done a lot of teams from Tennessee to USC, Michigan, Ohio State. Like there's a whole list on my Twitter for the teams that we have talked about, but would love to hear from y'all for which ones we should go with next. I'm kind of leaning towards Florida State, Nick, if I'm being real. I think Florida State may be the next team we talk about, but it's your show. This is a communal operation. So I want to hear from y'all. Appreciate you in advance for that. All right. Let's keep this thing rolling now. Let's get to y'all's questions, concerns, and thoughts with a little bit of college football therapy, if you will. Let's bring on the man, the myth, the legend, Legatron himself, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, man? How we feeling? What's up, man? Uh, feeling all right. Before we get to the questions, okay, uh, yeah, I, I was going to address that a little bit. Uh, we don't need to talk about it last night. Don't need to talk about it. Not a big deal. What matters is we got one more game in the regular season of the Germantown Kickball League. Yeah. What yeah. do we need to bat to get to the magic 700 number and get you in Canton, Ohio for the hall of fame?
1: Probably three for three. Okay. Bad week. It's all right. A couple bad weeks, actually.
0: It's all right. That just means you're due.
1: It means I'm due, I guess. You know? Yeah, I guess so, man.
0: Where's, dude, uh, where's the psyche at for you? What do you mean? Like, how's morale? Are you feeling it's like... Bad. Are you Really? Okay.
1: It's pretty bad. I don't feel good about my kickball self anymore. I feel great in the outfield, man. I'm making some plays, but dude... I should begin on base.
0: I feel like that's a Slicing basketball it. thing. Like, you play good defense, the shot mm-hmm. starts falling, you know? Like, that's what you're doing right now. You're playing great in the outfield. You're just an absolute German shepherd out there catching pot flies, I would imagine. So mm-hmm. now it's going to turn into some power at the plate for you. Yeah, I, you know? I
1: exactly. I've got a buddy uh, in the chat right now, actually. I didn't know he was watching. Michael Stamper uh, played kickball with him back in college. He said we need... The WKU South Lawn tight performance. Man, on South Lawn and WKU, I was a kickball wizard. I don't know what happened. Okay. K, I, I'm always honest. Uh, Kay says, appreciate your honesty. I'm always going to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but, J.D., man, let's talk some college football. What do you Okay. Say? All right. Well, Yeah. right. We'll, let's we'll, move on, we, man. We keep unpacking let's, let's, this. Get this.
0: No, no, it's good. I love it. I love it. Bad we got performance here, dog.
1: against kicking nuggets out of the way. Anyway, uh, Callup, thanks for your super chat. Uh, says, Paquel. <laughs> we're going last name basis right now. There we uh, go. What do you think will happen to Cal? Stanford and Washington State. And what are the chances that Cal will join the AAC and turn into a power?
0: It's a great question. I just so if Cal were to join the AAC, my question is then what happened to the Pac Twelve? Because I think the Pac twelve will still exist. I don't think they're just gonna close up shop. Um, and I don't know if Cal is in a position financially truthfully I I truthfully don't know what kind of position they're in financially and if it benefits them to leave I think a lot of this we will know more about this time next year with the Pac-12 you would imagine having a television deal and we'll see what the dollars and cents looks like but yeah man for for Cal uh going to the AAC I think would mean that the Pac-12 for whatever reason no longer exists so that's where I stand on it, man. But the Pac-12 really is in limbo. Like, they, they, they got to start making some moves here. They got to get a TV deal. They got to add some teams. Like, we got to we gotta boost morale here. We got to allow the troops. We got to circle the wagons here for the Pac-12. So, yeah, bad deal right now. Morale is low, but they got to they gotta kick it in overdrive here.
1: Sounds good, JD. Uh, this question has absolutely no um, bias in it. I love JD. it. JD, A.B. Bailey asked, Hashtag ask J.D., when Texas beats OU again like a drum, hmm. will the state of Oklahoma be flooded with the tears of Sooner fans, J.D.? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, you were right. That is a that is a bias-free question. <laughs> no question. Uh, forget the fact that A.B. Bailey does, in fact, have a Texas flag as their profile picture. But what do you make of this question? Good for
0: Av Bailey, man. I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be a completely different story than what we saw last year in Red River. Because Oklahoma, I mean, they were just – anemic offensively couldn't get anything done they went to the wildcat and that worked for a little bit and they threw a pass out of it and threw a pick like Quinn Ewers looked like the second coming of Colt McCoy like it was just it was a coming out party for Texas and Oklahoma was just down bad and Texas took great pleasure I'm sure in kicking them while they were down Uh, should Texas beat them for the second year in a row to be real like Texas will probably be favored going into that game so I don't know if you're overwhelmingly you know taken aback if you're an Oklahoma fan or just a casual college football fan which we probably don't have too many of those watching thank the lord um we have a lot of just diehard college football fans is why I say that but to, to the to the untrained eye to those who don't have any stake in Texas Oklahoma you're probably watching that game and saying yeah Texas has a better roster further along team probably should win that football game but we're going to see where where uh, that defense is at come October 7th in Red River I, I think Oklahoma is going to be a much more formidable opponent this coming season. If they can be healthy, I think that one will be back and forth and be a, a really, really good football game. Nick, so uh, will they be flooding the tears? Uh, how did? It, what what do you say? Flooding the tears with uh, Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, uh, he's going basically the saying will the, will the state of Oklahoma be flooded with the tears of Sooner fans?
0: You know, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think. You, <laughs> I think you looked at the future. Like it. And I think you, you, I mean, it hurts, I think, but I think you got to find a way. Got to find a way to bounce back. Man, I Great question. It. I love the lack of bias there from my guy, A.B.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keeping it very, very good. Very, dude. You know, well Good done. dude. Uh, Sean, if, if you're in Florida, if you're Florida, do you try to go into the transfer portal again next year like they did with Graham Hurts and get another quarterback, said the old Miss quarterbacks, which I believe J.D. Spencer Sanders, maybe even Jackson Dart will have no eligibility after this year. So I don't know. I th- if that yeah, would
0: man. Happen. I mean, I, th- I think Spencer Sanders is, is out.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And then they said, but so would you go to the portal and then have them start for a year, maybe two, then let DJ take over? JD, I'm essentially thinking John's ask, or Sean's asking, do Florida go to the portal again next year?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a fair question. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very curious to see what the transfer portal quarterback market looks like because there is some things happening at schools like Georgia and at schools like Ohio State that currently have some pretty high-profile quarterbacks that we're assuming are going to be backups. Like Devin Brown, if he doesn't start at Ohio State, and if Kyle Mm -hmm. McCord ends up being a guy that has to come back for another year at Ohio State or chooses to come back for another year at Ohio State, does he just want to wait another year and just kind of hang around? Or does he want to go play in the SEC? Another guy that's interesting to me is Brock Vandergriff at Georgia. If Carson Beck says, hey, you know what, I'm going to start here for two years at Georgia. Brock Vandergriff at that point, I believe... Would be a grad transfer so we can go in conference could be a situation you land at a lot of it too i think hinges on how comfortable are you going with dj lagway and throwing him the keys early like is he a guy that you think is going to be a four-year solution for you a three-year solution for you is he ready to start day one in the sec is the major question you have to ask and what's the risk of taking a transfer portal quarterback with you know the rest of your roster because it's very difficult to keep how high profile quarterbacks on your roster at the same time so I think my gut leans towards you at least explore the transfer portal, um, but I don't think that you're totally out of luck if you go with DJ Lagway as as the true freshman guy. So a lot of a lot of things are going to happen before we get there, but I think the portal is still going to be a real option should Florida decide to uh to take a look but i think it's also going to be a little bit of uh supply and demand like is there somebody in the market like a brock vandergriff like a Devin brown do they end up jumping in the portal if it doesn't work out how they want to and does florida have a real shot at them so i'm curious to see i think there there's a path there for them to go back to the portal nick is what i'm trying to say
1: nice okay sounds good jd uh, a think? Couple one more one more, one more? We're on okay. the same one page
0: more. man we're synced
1: up hmm let's see what shall i ask i like this one yeah you know- uh, we, we kind of so someone was asking about Auburn, and and flipping Perry, if if you will, the guy who draws what he likes. Go back a little bit in the video. JD does talk about that in full. Um, so I'll ask this question because I like showing the Pac-12 some love. Can the Washington wide receiver room carry them to the playoffs this year?
0: Hmm. So based on how that question's phrased, I'm gonna say no. Because if you're relying on the wide receiver room to carry you to the college football playoff, in my mind, that means that the Washington defense hasn't upped their level of play. And there is just too many good quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Michael Penix Jr. being one of them in Washington, but then you got Caleb Williams, Who knows what Bo Nix looks like again this year? Who knows what Shadour Sanders looks like this year? I mean, Cam Rising is back-to-back Pac-12 champion. Who knows what they're going to be? So I think the secondary has to really improve if you want the wide receiver room to be able to be that difference maker for you. They got some dogs now at Washington. No pun intended, as they are the Huskies. They got some dogs. But even so, I don't think that that's going to be just like your great equalizer, your ace up the sleeve for getting Washington to the college football playoff could happen but if it does it means the the secondary and the defensive side of the ball for washington really made some strides but nick great question man appreciate you holding it down hey we're gonna be back on the mic here thursday i mean we're back tuesday too but we're gonna be back thursday after you go three for three in your (laughs) kickball game and you're gonna
1: be right around 700 at that point is is that is that accurate it might be dude i I don't even want to calculate what i am right now i mean you got to be over 600 though i'm dude i think i'm probably barely over 600 okay and I it's think kickball, you could just bunt every play and get on base. So. Tell you
0: what, dude. I mean, when the chips are stacked, mm-hmm. I want Nicky Break at the plate for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wouldn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, we'll, we'll see you next week, Nick. Three for three, baby. I'm, I'm ready man. for it. Have, I'm have ready a for good it. One. Positive self talk. Nick Break, man. Best in the game. Dude just hitting dingers on Wednesdays, then comes in on Thursday and puts together a banger of a show, producing the whole operation, getting to y'all's questions, doing graphics. Like, I'm telling you, man, you talk about utility player. They talk about five tool players in baseball. I would imagine the same thing is true for kickball. Nick Brake, a six-tool player for us here on three and the hard count. Appreciate y'all being tuned in live, man. If you're new, welcome. There's a lot going on in the world. There is a lot of things you have on your plate on a day-to-day basis. This is a sanctuary. This is a place where we celebrate college football every single day. And we're able to do it because y'all are tuned in, because y'all are liking the videos, because y'all are subscribing and very very thankful for that do not take that for granted at the slightest on this end and just so sincerely thank you we appreciate y'all and we appreciate y'all being a part of this very very close out to college football season okay can't waste any more time can't waste any more time missing shows make sure you're locked in again the commitment of kj bolden on august 5th right here on the author youtube channel subscribe so you don't miss it Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram at JD A lot of content that we do there that we're going to ramp up as well as we get closer and closer to the season that we don't necessarily do on here. Some interaction stuff that I'd love to have you all a part of. Also, make sure you get after us on the podcast, okay? Spotify, Apple, wherever you get them. The Hard Count with Jody Piquel is where you will find us. All right, now, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We got videos coming every single day for you. Back on the air, live in Living Color on Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern love y'all appreciate y'all gonna keep this party rolling we will see y'all next time